Hey friends, welcome to Thursday, February 10th, and today's episode of Enough for Today. Join me in Psalm 36. Find your Bible or your app, and we are starting a new psalm. We actually read through it yesterday. It's 12 verses. It's a psalm of David. He, he titles it as a psalm from himself, the servant of the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see about this psalm. There's basically three sections to it. And it's really interesting. One way to really make sure you're understanding the Bible is to consider not only the original historical and the literal context and the literal sense of it, but to follow the mind and the eyes of the author. Uh, and we know with Scripture, there's kind of two authors. There's the human author and there's the, there's the divine author, right? These are the words of God flowing through human vessels and human personalities in, in historical contexts and circumstances. This is Israel's songbook. These are psalms of worship and praise and prayers. Uh, but they go way back to date, like this one, to David in a moment writing a song or a psalm or a poem, essentially, or a prayer to God and uh, transcribing his devotional life, which is what a blessing that we get to dive into this and see how God relates to us personally and intimately and, and how we can bring anything to God. And he gives us an orientation to truth and he strengthens and blesses us. Well, David's eyes begin with considering the sin that's all uh, around him and and in a general sense, the wickedness, okay? Now, he's personifying wickedness. Maybe he had a specific person in mind. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he's just looking at the general state of a fallen creation. And so this is verses 1 through 4, the transgression of the wicked, no fear, uh, flattering themselves in God's, uh, in their own eyes, iniquity, hate, verse 3, iniquity, deceit, uh, rejecting wisdom and desiring to not really desiring to do good, devising mischief, uh, setting himself in a way that's not good, and not abhorring evil. So verses one through four paint a really dire picture. David's attention is on the sin that's around him, the wickedness that's around him, maybe the enemies, maybe just the state of culture and the state of the world. But then look at verse five. This is part two. He looks up and there's a contrast here that's happening. And this contrast is important for us to, to participate in. It's important for us to experience the same contrast that David is experiencing. Because if you look horizontally, you're going to become overwhelmed by the deception, the treachery, the diabolical wickedness that's all around us, the injustice, the problems the burdens, they're going, to, they're going to weigh on you and press on you and really give you a rotten attitude and a rotten outlook. And David looks up. And when he looks up, he sees the heavens. And he remembers God's mercy. They're infinite. They're new every morning. And it's the mercy of God that makes the sun rise and set and uh, allows the seasons to transpire and the weather patterns and the rain and the sun and the warmth and the cold. And uh, it is God that holds it all together. And so he says, your mercy is in the heavens. Your faithfulness is described. It's, it's unveiled in the, in the patterns of the clouds. It's these patterns of life that sustain us. And this is the mercy of God. And the creation speaks of God. So David begins to contemplate God's mercy and his righteousness and his judgment 
and his justice and his holiness and his protection and preservation and provision. And then verse 7 is loving kindness, which is also a, an expression of mercy. Um, <clears throat> and then how men can trust God. Do you see it? Verse, uh, let's see here, verse 7. David has contemplated the wickedness of, of, of fallen humanity, but now the, the goodness of God and that he and others can put their trust in the shadow of the wings of God. In God is redemption and reconciliation, and in God is a relationship of trust and provision and protection and guidance through this wicked world. And there's satisfaction, and there's care, and there's fullness and generosity, and there's pleasure, and there's life and light, and there's continuance in God's loving kindness and in the goodness of his heart. So, the picture horizontally is so dire and dark. The picture across the heavens and through all of creation is so light and wonderful and uh, abundant and full and gracious. And then um, verse, I would say part three begins in about verse 10, uh, where he asks God to continue that loving kindness. Um and to protect him, it's it, he kind of wraps up with a prayer. Um, don't let the, the the wickedness consume me. Don't let the the darkness envelop me. Um, and verse twelve is the landing place. I can't wait to spend more time on this. It's it's as though he says it's all going to come to an end, and I can see it in my mind's eye. There, there it is. Behold, look, see uh, that iniquity is going to fall. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But we track his eyes from, oh, things are really bad on earth, to, oh, my goodness, things are really good with God, and I can run and find shadow and shelter in God and provision and pleasure and delight and all this abundance and grace, and then I can wait out the storm because one day uh, iniquity itself is going to fall. Sin and wickedness itself is going to be uh, destroyed. So that's the three parts to this psalm, and it gives us... Good reason to meditate on it over the next few days. Look around, see the problems. Look up into the heavens and remember the goodness and the lavish heart of the love of God. Look ahead and see that sin is going to fail ultimately and finally. Happy Thursday. That's enough for today. We'll see you tomorrow.